Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We'll go out to the Around Fuels and Downstairs Convenience Stores guest line. Truly steps beyond convenience. They'll find Brett Okamoto, who covers mixed martial arts for ESPN. Does a fantastic job and wrote a, a fantastic piece, The Final Days of Kimbo Slice. Yesterday was the year anniversary that we lost. Kimbo Slice, Miami legend. Uh, really, I mean... Put mixed martial arts on on the national landscape, Leroy. I mean, first guy to headline a, a mixed martial arts fight on national broadcast television, um, and and a, and a side where Pete had this menacing way about himself that was marketed, but really, really down to earth family guy. And Brett did a, a fantastic piece, getting a chance to talk to his family. Yeah, but did. it was a, it was a, Brett. It was a it was a heart wrenching read, and a, and a, and the piece where you guys did it video wise, uh, talking about those final days. How hard was it? hearing them talk about uh, Kimbo's last days with them. Man, it was an experience that I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, I got to say, his, his family was, was so great. His friend, Mike Ember, his longtime manager, he was great. They had me in, into, their, into their home. You know, they, uh, his wife and his mother had ordered sandwiches for us and put out juice, and it was really just welcoming. They wanted us to, to, to be in his house, and um, it was something that they were looking forward to to you know is, is having a discussion about about his final days and um you could tell that they almost had some things on their mind you know that i i don't think really anybody definitely not the public knew that you know his family was obviously very aware that he was having some some, some medical issues and they wanted him to stop fighting they didn't think he had anything to prove he had made enough money he was going to continue to have, get opportunities to make money through entertainment and acting and, and whatever else was and when he had fought Dada five thousand early last year, they all looked at him and said, "You know, we don't we don't want you doing this anymore." And um, you just couldn't tell Kimbo Slice not to fight. That's that's really the story that came out of this is that no one could tell him not to fight. Yeah, it was it was it, the whole thing was kind of weird because that that Kimbo Dada lead up it was it was very entertaining because of the grudge match behind them, um, and Dada wasn't really a professional fighter. And then you you watch that fight and you're just like man I can't believe a guy like Kimbo is is having this much trouble did they did they have feelings that things were already going wrong going into that fight or is it did that fight lead into them thinking all right it's not it's not for you anymore Well the the wife and mother had wanted him to retire before and you know you could say that about a lot of different fighters out there you know wives moms they they don't want to see their husband or son go into the ring too many times um, the wife specifically was, you know, he had fought Ken Shamrock the year before. And if people are unfamiliar with sort of the history of it, Kimbo was supposed to fight this guy, Ken Shamrock, a long time ago. The fight was called off on, on literally the day of the fight um, because Ken had, had suffered a cut in the locker room. And so that was a fight that, that he wanted that didn't happen. And so then years later it did happen. And the wife was saying, this is it. This is the perfect time to end it. You got that fight that you always wanted. Let's walk away now. He didn't. He took the Dada fight. And going into the Dada fight, I think, I think the best way to sum this up actually came from his coach, Mike Brown, who told me, you know, we knew that we didn't have a, a, a Bellator champion on our hands. We knew that Kimo Slice was not a UFC champion. He was not a world champion. He was older, he was older on. 
You know, I knew his conditioning was not great. I didn't know exactly why his conditioning was not great. You know, there's a lot of different reasons why your conditioning can suffer. You know, your diet, just lack of activity. He wasn't coming into the gym and training like he was a 20-year-old prospect, you know. But I thought that we were taking fights that were that was okay. You know, that, yes, he's not at, at 100% top physical shape, but he's fighting a guy in Dada who had had two pro fights his entire life, it had been years ago, and he just—he wasn't a real professional fighter, you know. So, so he's like, should the guy be fighting? Well, I guess it just depends on who he's fighting. But then after the Dada fight, everyone said he should stop. I mean, Brett, it kind of sounds like you know, regardless of the money he made, regardless of all the things he did, he was a fighter. He had grown up as as a young man doing it, and it was something that he felt he should do, even though he had an escape plan, a way to get out and do something else. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I, I uh, even as I wrote the piece, I wasn't exactly sure what, why I felt that he was continuing to fighting. So did, did his did his early beginnings in poverty just ingrain in his head that, hey, if 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 you can make a lot of money by walking to a cage, even if you know you're not completely healthy or prepared to do it, then you do it because you got to make that money. You got to su- support for your family. You know, there was there was one moment where his brother. And his mother said this as well, is that Kimbo always promised he was going to get us out of the hood. He always said that. Even as a child, he said, I'm going to make money. I'm going to get us out of here. So then, you know, did that just continue on throughout his life? Or maybe it wasn't so much the money. Maybe it was that he just really loved fighting. He wanted to get in there and compete against somebody. You know, I think it was probably a mixture of the two. Um, some, some people that I spoke to said, well, of course it was for the money. You know, it's always for the money. That's what prize fighting is. You know, his wife said, well, fighting became his identity, so I don't think he could give it up, you know, not just the money, but, but also the fighting part itself. So I think it was, it was probably a combination. Brett, uh, obviously, you know, we know now that Kimbo passed away from a heart ailment, that he needed a heart transplant. You wrote about this. Um, how did it get to the point where uh, did, did he not know how sick he was? Did, did, did his, uh, you know, family and friends and management not know how sick he was? How did, how did it get to the point where he finds himself in a hospital, basically, and then all of a sudden he makes a phone call and says, I need a heart transplant, and then he never makes it to Cleveland Clinic to get that heart transplant? How did, how did they get there? Yeah, well, I think that there's a great overall question here, which I did not answer in my piece because, you know, I wanted it to be specific to Kimbo and in his story. But, of course, I think that anybody who's reading the story and who's watching it, um, it's a natural question to ask. Like, well, shouldn't there be safeguards against this? I mean, the guy had fought in February. He passed away in June. He was actually scheduled to fight again in July. Uh, that's, that just seems odd. You know, I think anybody who's just looking at it unbiasedly would say that's odd. I think with Kimbo, it was a combination of, you know, he, he kept these things from some of the people that, that would have, you know, urged him to stop fighting. I think he was he was aware of his own body. I, I I will say that you know several people close to him told me that you know he he knew sort of when to when to pull back, when to not go to the gym. You know, save his bullets for the fight. Um, and and you know I think that the best way to sum it up is, is his wife was like, "What do you say to somebody?" You know, I think everybody kind of knew. Hey, you, you're not healthy enough to to continue fighting, especially after the Dada fight. This is. This is insanity. And um, what do you say to a guy, you know, if he's just completely dead set and, and not listening to you? I mean, that, that, that was what stuck out of the piece to me the most, is just that the family members, all of them, said I, we, couldn't, we couldn't say anything to him that would stop it. You know, and they weren't mad at him for that because they just realized that that's the guy he was. 
but they just had come to that realization that there's nothing we can do to make this guy stop fighting. I mean, obviously, his legacy continues on and is, uh, I believe it's, what, six kids? Um, and, yeah. you know, one of them is, we, we've talked to, that that has gotten into the uh, the octagon or the ring. And, uh, you know, there's another one playing football. And uh, his legacy is carried on. But uh, it's not just in his family, though. It's in the legacy left down in Perrine and all over in this state, um, especially South Florida, uh, where he will not be forgotten anytime soon. Yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's felt heavily down in in South Florida where you guys are. But it, it really is. I, I gotta say, you know, he 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 surpassed he surpassed what what a lot of great MMA fighters never get to achieve, and that is mainstream popularity. He was appealing to anybody and everybody. You know, young, old doesn't matter what culture you come from. There was something appealing about Kimbo Slice always, and that's why he was the ratings monster that, that he was. Well, that's that's one thing, Brett, that I found fascinating, too, with his passing last year. It felt like the MMA community was so heartbroken because he was such a great guy because there was such resistance when he was first at prominence. People were like, you know, the the, the hardcore MMA fan was 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 rooting against him. They wanted, they wanted to say, this guy's not a real mixed martial artist, but... But he was so important to launch them onto that stage, and it was—it's funny how that that changed over time. I think the the hardcore man that you just described is always pretty sensitive. You know, they're they're defensive about their sport because for a long time it had to battle for legitimacy. You know, it was looked at as not really a sport. It's human cockfighting, it's cage fighting. You know, and so they looked at somebody who was just famous on YouTube and now coming into it and making a splash. They thought that was disrespectful. They're like, you have not paid your dues. You're not a real mixed martial artist. But what won them over was how respectful Kimbo was. Kimbo came into the sport and said, I know that. I know I'm not a real mixed martial artist. I would never even try to sell myself as a mixed martial artist because of how much respect I have for these guys. I'm just coming in here because it's a dream of mine. I wanted to fight professionally. But in no way, you know, he he didn't want the spotlight completely solely trained on him. He wanted to share it with, with the guys that he respected so much. And because he was like that, the fan base got behind him and, and respected him as well. Well, check out check out Brett's piece, The Final Days of Kimbo Slice. It's uh, it's on ESPN.com. It's fantastic. Brett Okamoto does a great job covering mixed martial arts for ESPN. And thanks for spending time with us. Really appreciate you sharing the story. Yeah, thanks, thank Brett. you, guys. Take care. Okay. Thank you, Brett. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.